Well, hello and welcome to the Saints Church Podcast. My name is Dave and I just want to welcome you and encourage you to settle in for an awesome word that we have by our pastor, Brett Esslinger, as he continues in our series, Visions and Values. Okay, we are in uh, a brand new collection of talks or sermon series or messages, whatever floats your boat, whatever you want to call it, called Vision and Values. Vision and Values. Sometimes much is made about how we do something, but what I really want to get to together as a community is why we do it. What is the heartbeat of our church? What is Jesus calling us to? And and, and where are we headed? Some of these things, we're going to share vision. uh, We're going to share values. There's seven values of our church. Some of them are aspirational. We're leaning into them. We're growing into them. Others are already present. And and what I think is really important is that we're not really uh, reinventing the wheel here. Uh, We're redigging some old wells of, of church culture that have been here that are the foundations and the pillars of this church and have been over the last 30 years, and we're pulling them back into the forefront. And then we're also really dialing in on some really, really old ideas. And when I say old, I mean scripture old, because how many know we don't build a church just the way that we want to build it? We build it on a firm foundation. His name is Jesus. We build it on his word. He gives us wisdom and direction and guidance. And so we don't have to figure it all out. It's all right here. So we're going to dive into vision. We're going to dive into values as well. And I want to say this, if you missed our first message where we did this, okay, we just went, we just workshopped this thing because sometimes I think, uh, have you ever gone to a new job and they give you that like onboarding package and they're like, here's our company's vision and values. And you're like, cool, I just want to work a summer job. And, and then you read it and you're like, well, that really means nothing. That's generally what happens with vision statements. They kind of trickle out, they come, they come, they go. There's new strategic plans. We accomplish them, we don't accomplish them. We just move on. You rebrand, all these different things. But I think what we wanted to highlight as we start to lean into our vision is that there's a lot more than just a couple lines that are, are you know, catchy. That there is a core here I mean, every church vision statement is an iteration of Matthew 28, the Great Commission, like every single one, like every single church vision reflects the Great Commission, and so it should. Jesus already gave the church a vision statement. He already gave us a mission. Also, if it is your first or second time here, feel free to to laugh, clap, clap. I'm assuming you're smiling, but with the mask back on, I can't tell. Uh, I just see the hungry eyes. You know, it's like it's lunchtime. <laughs> it's just like, okay, come on, preacher, preach. Okay, we will. Here's the vision statement. Again, listen to that message. You go to saintchurch.ca, hit the online button. You can get, grab it from last week. It goes, we go places no one wants to go and do things no one thought possible so that anyone and everyone can discover the hope and life in Jesus. Let's do this one time and let's do it together. It's up on the screen. We're, we're all in this together. Come on, let's say it. We go places no one wants to go and do things no one thought possible so that anyone and everyone Everyone can discover hope in life in Jesus. And we broke it all down. Come on, that's right. That's good. We broke it all down last week and we'll get there. What I want to do is I want to actually today focus in on what I call the big three. So while we have seven values, we actually have three kind of core values at the very heart of all that we do. And it's foundational. If we were to make some kind of crazy diagram, which now thinking about it out loud, verbally processing, I could have drawn. Uh, But if we were to do that, uh, we would take these core three values, place them right in the middle and have everything else 
sprouting out from there. And you would have already possibly caught it. You might have noticed recently over the last number of weeks, I've been reading extended portions of scripture at the beginning of each message. And if you didn't notice it, you just noticed it now. And what I've been purposefully doing is turning our eyes on Jesus. We've been looking at passages that specifically are expressing his nature and his character. Why? Because our very first value is that we are Jesus people. We are Jesus people. Just turn to somebody and say, we are Jesus people. We are Jesus people. This is what that means, and I'm going to just maybe try and have some fun along uh, with it here. I might mark it up along the way. It says, Jesus is the beginning and the end and everything in between. Everything we do points to Jesus. Come on, somebody. Everything we do points to Jesus. We are Jesus people. When Jesus enters our lives, everything is different. And anything is possible. We want, come on, who do we want? Anyone and everyone to discover the hope and life that's found in Jesus. In other words, you've stumbled upon the greatest uh, secret and mystery in the universe. And that mystery is that the person who created it, Jesus Christ, the visible image of the invisible God, literally spoke it into existence. He's supreme over all creation. He knows how it works because he made it. And that life force in the universe, you can call it the universe or you can call him by name because he has a name. His name is Jesus, loves you, wants to have a personal relationship with you and wants to be with you in every moment of your life. You've discovered that. If you're here today and you've been here for any length of time, you know that there's hope in life that when Jesus enters the scene, he, he, he entered it. And Romans 3 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Each and every one of us is in need of a savior. The reality is most of us have a very thin veneer that makes it looks like everything's okay. Oh, come on, it's just me up here. Everyone's just got a very thin veneer. I'm just holding it all together. My friend, you're not holding it all together. Jesus is holding it all together. He sustains everything by his mighty word and his power. Jesus is holding it all together. Jesus is holding you together through these moments. You know when you just got that burst of strength where everything is falling apart and you don't know how you made it through that moment. You don't know how you made it through that night when you were weeping. All of a sudden there was just a peace and a rest. My friend, there was nothing that you did. That was Jesus. So we're Jesus people. So here at Saints Church, everything we do points to Jesus because he is the greatest force in the universe. He existed in the beginning, before the beginning, after the beginning. In fact, you can go as far as to say in Revelation 22 that he's the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. That's who he is. His name is Jesus. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna remind us of that one because that was a good one, Revelation 22, 13. See, we're Jesus people. We put roots down in Jesus. When I said that he's the visible image of the invisible God, that's Colossians 1, verse 15 to 20. These are not my ideas. These are God's ideas. He's introducing himself to us. Now, Jesus makes a very bold statement. I'm talking fast because it took me way too long last time to do this part. In Matthew 7, 24, Jesus boldly shares that those who build their lives on Jesus are like a person who builds their home on a firm foundation. And then he gets really salty and he says, you're a fool if you don't follow me. And if you do, if you don't follow me, this is really nice, by the way, this flashing. I'm trying to stay focused. And if you do, 
If you don't follow Jesus, you don't build your life on a firm foundation, what you're doing is you're building it as if it's on sand and it's shifting. And we see this. We actually, under, <laughs> we actually understand this principle in life. Why? Because we look at the way society ebbs and flows. Morality is changing and it's evolving right before our eyes. Why? Because it's not built on anything. So our society is shifting, worldviews are shifting, thoughts and ideologies are shifting and changing and they change all the time and it seems like at an ever uh, quicker pace. James, in the book of James, it describes a person uh, who's tossed to and fro by the waves. That's what happens when we put our anchor down and we build a foundation on ideologies or ideas. But when we build our lives on Jesus, we're building on a firm foundation. Why? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He's the only force in the universe that's constant. So we build our lives on Jesus. But I love this, when we're talking about building a church, Psalm 127, verse one, it says, unless the Lord builds a house, the laborer toils in vain. Come on, unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord builds this church, we're gonna toil, we're gonna struggle. We have to ask ourselves this question all the time. Is this a good idea or is this a God idea? So that means things adapt, things change, they're fluid, they shift. Why? Because he's leading us and he's guiding us. But that would all lead us uh, into our next value. We follow Jesus. Again, we're gonna have to get better at this. We follow Jesus. We follow Jesus one step at a time. This actually comes out of Psalm 37, 23 and 24. Psalm 27, 23, and 24. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. I was, just, I was trying to hide. It's okay. Though they never stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. The Lord directs the godly. He directs their steps. He delights. Did you get that? He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they may stumble, because Jesus is really honest. Jesus is really, really, really honest. Though we're gonna stumble, and these, I'm stumbling right now over these lights. Those, these stumble, we will stumble, we will not fall. Why? Because the, the righteous hand of the Lord will carry us. He will lead us and he will guide us. He will take us through. The hand of the Lord will lead us and guide us through. We follow Jesus one step at a time. Let me, let me, write, let me just highlight what this means. We embrace the mystery of God. An interesting part about embracing the mystery of God is that we have to embrace the fact that in our life and in our journey, there is a degree of mystery. See, what we're used to is like grabbing our phone. You have to go somewhere, go somewhere new. You grab Google Maps, you put in an address, you go from point A to point B, and if you're anything like me, you pick fastest route, and then you try and beat it. But that's not the way life works. Life doesn't work in a linear line. It's not point A to point B. It doesn't matter how great your five-year plan is. It doesn't matter how structured you are, how organized you are, how, how life is. If, I mean, for anyone who's lived any length of time, you know that things do not always go according to plan. So we embrace the mystery of God. We decide that Jesus is leading us one step at a time so I don't have to get worried. I don't have to be afraid. That's John 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Why? Because peace I leave with you and peace I give to you. Why? Because we follow Jesus one step at a time time. We don't know the answer, but we know someone who is the answer. 
So we can lead and direct our life or we can say, you know what, Jesus, I'm embracing the fact that there's gonna be things that happen and it's not gonna work out the way that it went. See, this is the biggest way that Christians get disappointed. Are you ready for this? If This is how Christians get angry, disappointed, bitter, uh, disillusioned. This is how it happens right here. Come on, is anyone ready for this? This is the secret sauce right here. You have an expectation and assumption about how God should work. You have an expectation about how and when God should work. You have an expectation about how and when God can use you. You have an expectation and assumption based on what it looks like for you to succeed. Can I tell you, your expectations and assumptions look nothing like what Jesus has for you. That's why he says, when you follow me, you would pick up your cross, surrender to it. You would die daily. Every day I wake up, I embrace the mystery of God and I sacrifice and I surrender my ideas and my ideology at the feet of Jesus so that I am open, ready, and responsive to change, uh-oh, and opportunities. Why do I need to be open to change? Great question. I'm not gonna give you an answer. I'm gonna let Jesus give you an answer. Matthew 9, 14 to 17, you'll find Jesus says this phrase, but you don't put the new wine into old wineskins. You know what happens? It bursts. Anyone been there? I've been there. What do you mean I have to change? No, I'm open, ready, and responsive so that Jesus can lead me, guide me, and do what he wants to do in my life. And not only in my life, but through my life. See, another mistake that we make as believers is that we make this entire narrative about our personal success. Do you know what personal success looks like to Jesus? Complete surrender. The apostle Paul got the idea right in Corinthians when he said that you're gonna be transformed day by day to look more and more like me. And then there's something that happens particularly amongst my generation that says, well, if I look more and more like Jesus, then I'm gonna look less and less like me. Except that there's this idea or concept in scripture called the Mago Dei, and it happened at the very beginning of uh, humanity being created, that you were made and you were formed in the image of God. That's what humanity was made and formed to be the image of God, to be an image bearer of God. Therefore, when you look more and more like Jesus, you look more and more like how you were created and designed to be. You become more like you when you follow Jesus and you put him on and you look more and more like him. And, and it's just like I'm wearing glasses right now, you put on a new lens that says, Lord, I'll give me eyes to see. That's Ephesians 1.18. It says that the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened that I might know this great and glorious hope that I have in Jesus Christ, that, that I could have eyes to see in a brand new way. So I'm open, ready, and responsive. Oh, you don't, you don't think that you, that 
that you live in your neighborhood by accident, do you? Oh, you don't think that those neighbors, especially the ones that annoy you, that they're just there by mistake. Now, the Lord's growing something in you, some grace. But at the same time, he says, you know what? (laughs) You've been praying for God to use you, but you set an expectation around that. And he said, what if I told you that I put you where you are so you could reach those who are closest to you? To your left. To, oh, you don't think you sit at that desk in that cubicle like, um, like by mistake, do you? Oh, you don't think that that other soccer mom opening up and sharing her story was just like a solid emotional moment, do you? Oh, could it be that in that moment, Jesus was speaking through you? that through your life and through where you live and where you work and where you go to buy your coffee, that he's creating brand new opportunities. Why? John 1, 5, there's a light that shines in the darkness. That darkness could never be extinguished. And guess what? You're a torch bearer. You're a light bearer. You're carrying that light with you wherever you go. Wherever you go, wherever you walk, you're carrying it. And yeah, it, it's like people, people are drawn in. It's like moss to a flame. People are drawn in. And there's a scriptural reason why they're drawn to you. You're like, how come people keep showing up to me and talking to me about their problems? It's because what they see in you is hope in life. It's because there's something about you. And it's not you, it's Jesus in you. It's the light of glory shining through you and they're attracted to you. Scripture says that the Father will draw all men to himself. Well, guess where the Father lives? He lives in here. He lives inside of you. And that light is shining in the darkness. So when you walk in the room, you light up the room. My friend, it's not just your smile. So we are open, ready, and responsive to change and opportunities. We're open, ready, and responsive to change on a personal level as much as we are on an organizational level or on a church body, family level. We're open to opportunities on a personal level as much as we are on a church-wide level. We follow Jesus one step at a time. Did you notice the way that Jesus called his disciples? And yes, I know that my writing needs work. The way that Jesus called his disciples, one simple phrase. Do you remember? Come and follow me. Come and follow me. Are you still tracking with me? You still with me? You still here? You still awake? You still alive? I know DeAndre is. <laughs> this last one of the big three. This is really important to me. My dad has a phrase, He's spoken it to me since I was a teenager, simple, people are the prize. People are the prize. But that's not just my dad's idea. Did you know that's Jesus' idea? Did you catch it in Hebrews? When it says that the son's inheritance, that God gave his son an inheritance. Scripture goes on to detail that his inheritance looks a lot like you. You're his inheritance. You're his reward. You're his great prize. You, 
You're what he's looking forward to at the end of this age when he comes back and there's a new heaven and a new earth and we all move into eternity together. You're who he's looking forward to being with. He's looking at you. He's looking at you because he loves you with an ever-ending, everlasting love. His goodness and mercy has been following you all the days of your life. You've just been running away from it for most of it. It's you. Jesus loves you. Again, it's not a good idea. It's a God idea. In Ephesians 2.10, you know how he describes you? As his masterpiece. As his masterpiece. You're his most prized and cherished piece of art. And he wants to not only work in you, but through you and around you. Come on, let's, let's break it down. You ready to break it down? This is, we are people, people. Make no mistake about it. We love people. We love those who are near and those who are far from God. We create spaces and places where anyone and everyone can experience hope, life, and freedom in Jesus. Come on, I want you to buckle up for this last part. We are the type of people who believe in you more than you believe in you. Why? Because that's who Jesus is. When Jesus sees you, he sees his masterpiece and he goes, you know what? I believe in you. He believes in you because he created you. Psalm 139 says he knit you together in your mother's womb. You're like, preacher, I've heard all these verses before. That's great that you've heard all of them before, but you have it up here. I'm just trying to help you get it down into here that he handcrafted you, put you together, that you are his masterpiece. He's got a plan and a purpose for you and he believes in you more than you believe in you. He's got a bigger dream for you than you've got a dream for you. He's got a destiny. He's got a purpose. He could use you. And even when you feel insecure, he's going to call it out of you. And even when you want to wither away, he's going to bring people around you to lift you up and push you forward. And those people just happen to be sitting in this room because in this room are people who believe in you more than you believe in you. Hey, come on. I know that's true because I've been on the other side. I know what it's like to have someone that does not believe in you. I've been the person who, who was passed over, who was looked over, who was forgotten about, the person who could never measure up, the person who was never good enough. I've been there, and that's how I know what it is to be, like, to be that person in Jesus. I know what it's like to have a person in the flesh come up to you and say, you know what, God's got a plan and a purpose for you. I also know what it feels like like to have that right here. My prayer for you today is that you don't leave without having that right here. I can say a lot of things and a lot of volumes in a lot of different ways. But Jesus believes in you more than you believe in you. I believe in you more than you believe in you. Hey, come on, could you imagine a community that you could step into and be a part of where you know that people are gonna help you get wherever God called you to be? Could you imagine being in a community where not only do people believe in you, but they get behind you and they help make it happen. They say, you know what? I see what's in you. And, and because I see what's in you, I'm gonna help make a way where there is no way. Can you imagine being a part of a community when somebody actually has the, the courage to say, hey, you know what? That's a bad idea. 
You're like, no, no, that's not, a, that's not a good community. No, that's a great community because somebody loves you so much and says, you're not actually living up to your fullest and highest potential. And if you go that way, you're gonna sidestep all that God has for you. I yearn for the day where we walk into a place like this and people say, you know what? There's a purpose for you. There's a plan for you. I'm gonna be a part of launching you forward. But my friends, before we can launch anybody forward, we gotta point them to Jesus. Because this is not a self-help institution. And oftentimes we boil this down to personal success. And I've said it before and I will say it again. It's about complete surrender. Success is surrender. God, have your way in my life. And when I surrender to Jesus, I will do more than I ever thought possible. How? Because he made you. He knows the gifts, the talents, and the abilities that live and reside inside of you. And he wants to use them. And he wants to use them for his glory. And you've been praying for so long that Jesus would use you. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden there's opportunity and there's people and you're serving and you're getting scheduled and your life is getting busier and people want to have coffee with you and they call you and you say, Jesus, I'm just feeling like I'm overwhelmed. I'm used. And he says, yeah, wasn't that your prayer? No, God, my prayer is to be a bridge to point people to you. Yeah, well then get ready to be walked all over. Hmm. See, he's flipping the script. We love well, we serve well, not because we have to, but because what he's already done for us. Can I share with you? I should put some verses up for you. I'll do it quick. Luke 19, 10 says, Jesus came, this is his mission, to seek and save those who are lost. In Ephesians 1, 18, I already mentioned it. It was a prayer to open the eyes of our understanding. Get this, we can go to the book of Deuteronomy, which is normally terrifying for new Christians. And it says that you are his special possession. (laughs) Yesterday, I gotta tell you this. Yesterday, my son Kingston, he's six. It was his turn for a daddy date. So my boys have these lists of things that we get to do together. And so his thing was, let's go to the mall. And I was like, awesome. And he picked, we're gonna go to Build-A-Bear. So you know what that means. I'm making a significant investment into a stuffed animal with add-ons at every turn. This heart beats for only 650, okay? There's costumes over there. So Kingston picks out his puppy, gets it stuffed. I don't know why you wanna watch that. gets all the things they put it in a box and can I tell you the pride and the joy that was on his face as he's walking through the mall with this doghouse box and his new puppy in the box he's just beaming he's like hey this is a special thing that I got to do with my dad how Jesus feels about you. He says, hey, this is my special possession. And I got to do this with my dad. Deuteronomy 32, 9 says, you are his special possession. 
531. Are you still with me? Is this okay? Luke 531. We're doing this uh, Bible reading plan. There's about 60 of us that are, are doing this together on version, and it's, it's awesome. We're reading through the New Testament in 30 days. And uh, if you want to join, we'll throw the link in the email this week. If you want to join midstream, you can just join the party. And what's really cool is that you read, it's like eight or nine chapters a day, but at the end, you actually, everyone gets to share their thoughts and what, what God is saying, and you get to see. And what's really, really interesting to me is there's a certain verse that appears in three out of the four gospels. And it just kept showing up. And every time it showed up, it, like multiple people were like, that's the thing that connects with me. That's what God is saying right now. And the truth is, every time I read it, I had the same thought myself. That's what it is. This is what we are. And, and it's found right in Luke 5, 31. And it says this, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. The context of this encounter, Jesus' response is that they were eating and they were eating and drinking with the, the people that were religious. They felt like, that, in their words, not mine, that were scum. They did not live up to a certain standard. And so they were having this conversation with Jesus' disciples because, of course, they didn't have the courage to say it to Jesus' face. And probably because Jesus was enjoying the meal and conversation so much that he couldn't be bothered with those pesky people who were setting out to judge. But the mood in the room started to shift and change. And it was just like, he, Jesus didn't necessarily hear it, but he felt it and he gave them this response. Why do I eat and drink with such scum? Because healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And I'm like, that's it. That's it. That's church. That's church. This is a place where anyone who is sick and wounded and hurting can come and find hope and healing in life. Why? Because Jesus is the great physician and he can heal and he can put the broken pieces back together. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. We, we are just so aware of how, uh, of how much we're in need of a savior. That if we've been here for any length of time, we understand that we're, we're like patients that never leave, that just keep serving other people. That Jesus is, is healing us. We're works in progress. Every single one of us works in progress. But here's what happens. When, when, when people come in here and they're far from Jesus, we create a space where they can encounter him, where they can find freedom. And we know what they're going to find because we've already found part of it ourselves. We know what he's done for us. We know what he means to us. We know what it means to be broken and for him to put us back together, to, to be sick and to be healed. We know what it means for our lives to be transformed. And so what we do is we point them towards Jesus and they come here and, and they point, we point them towards Jesus and we say, Jesus changes everything. And then we understand that this is a hospital. No, this is a combat hospital. Why? Because we're on the front lines of everyday life. And people are in the fight of their lives every single day. We're, on the, we're not somewhere else. We're right on the very front line. And the people who are the walking wounded can come here and not just come to a physical place, but they can come into your life and your place and your space. And they can discover the hope and life that's found in Jesus. And what we discover is while he's the great physician, we're the nurses and the 
orderlies and the people who are cleaning up and the people that are making food and the people that are making sure there's supplies and restocked and then there's somebody else who's building a new wing and there's somebody else who's just taking care of the wax in the floors to make sure that they shine. Why? Because it's a hospital and we're in a combat hospital. That's what we are. Our number one goal in our direction and focus is this. Not because it's my idea, because it's God's idea that we are to seek and save those who are lost. Thank you for tuning in to the Saints Church Podcast. I just want to let you know that we have in-person services both at our Glastonbury location on the west end of Edmonton and the Glory Hills location located just outside of Stony Plain. Uh, And that's at 9.30 and 11.30 at Glastonbury and 10.30 at Glory Hills. You can also check out our website, saintschurch.ca, for more information on services and giving and online content. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.